Well, hey, welcome back uh, to Alcatraz. Uh, part four, this isn't Alcatraz, this is the living room, but Alcatraz part four. Joseph, thank you, my friend. Great to see you. Um, hey, so I'm excited to be closing out this series. I've loved this series. Um, I'm fascinated by Alcatraz in general, uh, but the content of the series and the concept of this series for me has been so challenging and I hope it has been for you as well. If you're just tuning in with us, you ought to go back and catch uh, the last three parts of the series. But we've been talking about the freedom that we have in Christ. The freedom that we have from the past, the freedom that we have from our sin, the freedom that we have from our shame, that there is a fullness of life that Jesus has for you. And it is available to you because Christ has set you free. And basically we've been jumping in, hey, what are the things in life that you've deemed inescapable? And we kind of set the foundation week one that nothing is in escapable because the grace of God meets us right where we are. And then we talked about repentance, turning from our way of sin into the refreshing side on the other side of our sin, the refreshing side of life. And we talked about confession. Yeah, we got all churchy, but it's not as churchy as it sounds. You need to go back and listen to parts two and three. But tonight we're going to jump into the idea. And here's what I want to preach about for a few minutes is fighting temptation. That's what I want to talk about tonight. Fighting Temptation. And here's what I love about this topic is it doesn't matter if you're a Jesus follower or not. Part of the human experience is fighting temptation. You might not even be a Jesus follower, but if you've ever wanted to better yourself, then you have fought temptation. So we do. The, the, the self-help industry is worth over $10 billion. Why? Because people are trying to figure out how to fight temptation. That as humans, we are constantly lured and tempted by things typically that are not good for us. Think about this, you're never tempted to save more. I mean, that's not like a temptation. You're never tempted to work out more. That's not the temptation. You're never tempted to eat healthier. No, it's quite the opposite, right? It's obvious, but, but, but it's just true that no, you're not tempted to save more, you're tempted to spend more. That's the struggle. You're not tempted to work out more. That certainly isn't the case for me. No, 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 you're tempted to sleep in or just to stay home and watch Netflix after dinner. You're not tempted to eat healthier. No, no, you're tempted to eat poorly. That for us, and this is so obvious, but, but it's, it's, it's worth noting that the reason why we do things that, that we know are good for us isn't because we're tempted to do them. No, no, we're actually tempted to do the things that aren't good for us. The reason why we do the things that we know we should do is because we make a conscious choice to do it. We discipline ourselves and resolve ourselves to do the things that even though we know we don't want to do, know that we should do. We're constantly fighting temptation, saying no to the things that we want to say yes to and saying yes to the things that we know we should say yes to. And the idea of making a conscious and disciplined choice to go in the way that you know you should go, even though there's something inside of you that wants something different, while it's true on the surface level of life, like eating and working out and so many other things, it's also true for your spiritual life as well. That fighting temptation that leads you and I to sin is no different. And we're gonna talk about the nature of sin and temptation here in just a second. But here's the reality, maybe the harsh reality, if I could just be candid and jump right in here with us. 
is that we've been talking about Alcatraz and feeling trapped by things that feel inescapable. But the truth is some of you are gonna sin your way into Alcatraz. And not because you're being punished for your sin, not because God is gonna smite you for your sin, but because that's just the nature of what sin does. Sin kills. I don't know how many times I've said this. You're probably tired of me saying it, but I'm gonna keep on saying it. Sin kills good things in your life and in mine. That sin entangles, sin suffocates, sin ruins reputations and ruins influence. Sin even suffocates our intimacy with God. And while we said last week that we are always met with grace, the grace of God doesn't nullify the natural consequences of our decisions. That nothing good in your life will come as a result of sin. And so many of you have found yourself or or will find yourself in Alcatraz because of a sin that is haunting you. So what I want to do is I want to take a step back from even before the sin. And I want to talk about the temptation to sin, fighting temptation. And I want to kind of look at two major movements in my message. I want to look at the nature of temptation. And then I want to talk about how to fight it. Really simple tonight the nature of temptation, and then how to fight it. Just to start things off, I wanna go to James chapter one, verse 13. You can turn there, it's gonna be near the very back of your New Testament, the very back of your Bible, James, the very brother of Jesus. I'll give you a second to turn there. If not, we're gonna put it up on the screen. But James chapter one, verses 13 and 15, we're gonna look at the nature of temptation. This is what he writes. When tempted... No one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So God isn't the one that tempts us, okay? God isn't testing us by trying to see whether or not we're going to sin. But each person, he says, is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So much imagery packed into these couple of verses. But he says, first we are tempted by what? By our own evil desires that you and I at our core, kind of our natural state is to desire things that are not good for us. And if I can bring this into the spiritual conversation, we desire things that are not of God. We desire things that are opposed to Jesus's will for our lives, myself included. Like being a professional Christian does not preclude me from these evil desires that I have and will always have on this side of heaven that are trying to drag me away towards the things that are not of God. And notice that word, dragged away by our own evil desires and enticed. Uh, The imagery there is one of a bait. Imagine you're fishing. I don't fish. I don't really do anything outdoors other than walk to my car. So I'm not the guy to talk about this, but I I know that you put a bait on a a hook and you, you, you rot it, you put it out into the lake and you catch a fish. Okay, you're baiting a fish. And that's exactly the very same imagery here that we're being baited by our own evil desires. And then once that desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when that sin is full grown, it leads to death. So here's the first big idea that I want you to grasp. And this is gonna sound obvious, but roll with me here for just a second. Is that before sin, there's temptation. Before sin, there's temptation. So the first major point that I want you to write down Temptation and sin are not the same thing. 
Temptation and sin are not the same thing. Here's why I need to clarify such an obvious idea potentially for some of you. We are really, really good at confusing the two. We are really, really good at confusing sin and temptation because here's what happens for so many of us whenever we start getting tempted. We think, oh man, I'm already getting tempted. I guess I'll just, I don't know, I'll do better next time. I'll just give in, it's fine, it's just one time and I'm already being tempted, so whatever, I'll just, I'll do better next time. God, I promise, I'm already tempted, sorry man, mess this one up, I promise I'll do better next time. For so many of us, and you, you, maybe you're just now realizing that you do this at times, we treat temptation as if the battle has already been lost. Oh, well, I'm tempted, so nothing else matters. When in reality, when you and I are tempted is actually when the battle begins because temptation and sin are not the same thing. Here's what you need to understand about temptation. You ready? Write this down if you're taking notes. Temptation is, is a trap. It's not a prison cell. Temptation is a trap. It's not a prison. That when you're tempted, we're not locked into a decision because of our temptation. You are tempted and then we choose to act on what we are tempted by. It is a trap. Another way to think about it, temptation is a trap that hasn't been triggered yet. That we're dragged away, that we're enticed. Temptation is a trap that hasn't been triggered triggered yet. And so what you and I have to do at the very beginning of this conversation is we have to change our mind and change our thinking about what temptation is. In that moment, ah, okay, okay, ah, he looks so good. She looks so good. That, that looks like a lot of fun. That's going to feel good. That's, that's going to create a memory. Ah, man, it, I just need to pass this one class. Ah, it's just going to be one time. Ah, nobody will ever know. But this is a trap. We have to change our thinking no matter how good it looks, no matter how short-term it feels or how inconsequential it looks. We've got to change our thinking. Ah, this is a trap. And it will not go well for me. Growing up, in fact, I've got, um, Joseph, you got my, my stuff for me here. Thank you. Um, growing up, um, we, in our, my childhood home, we had uh, mice in our garage. Don't worry, this is not loaded. I thought about loading it for the purposes of this illustration, but then I decided I did not want to be all over the internet for snapping my finger off. It'd be quite the headline. Local pastor loses index finger for a sermon illustration. So it's not loaded. Uh, but uh, growing up, we, so childhood home, we had mice in our garage. And so my dad was like, hey, we're going to set out in middle school. We're going to set out some mouse traps." And I was like, let's get it. I was pumped. I'd never seen a mouse trap before, never knew how they worked, but I was excited to kill some mice. And so me and my dad, we, we put a few, and it was literally that this, these mouse traps, this brand must be really good because this is literally the exact same ones that we used, Victor killing the mouse trap game. It is the original rat trap. Okay, I digress. So um, what we did was we, we would set the traps and then we put just a little bit of peanut butter right here on the, on the trap side. So the way this works, this snaps back and then I'm not gonna go any farther. And then it, you put peanut butter there and then we set them. I was so excited the next morning. Woke up, I was still young. So I woke up at six naturally and I'm waiting for my dad to come downstairs cause I'm a little scared to go check it out by myself. And we go out and we had caught two mice. They were big old things on this and it was kind of gross, but it was awesome. And I remember thinking, these rats are idiots. Because what these rats saw was we put peanut butter on a mouse trap. 
But you know what the rats saw? The rats saw some cake. Like we put a little bit of peanut butter on something that was gonna kill them, but they saw something way different. They saw some cake. And I remember thinking those rats, LOL, are so dumb. No wonder humans are at the top of the food chain. I would never fall for this. How could they not see that it was a trap? The reality is when you and I are being tempted, you know what we see? Cake. You know what we don't see? It's actually a trap. We see the cake, but we don't see that it's actually just a little bit of peanut butter on a mousetrap. We see cake, but what we don't see is that this moment is fleeting, that it's momentary, that the pleasure won't last long, that eventually it will not go well for you or for me. Proverbs 14, 12. Some of y'all might need to memorize this verse. You don't need to turn there. I'm just gonna read it to you real quick. Proverbs 14, 12 says this. There is a way that seems right, but in the end leads to death. There's a way that seems right. It looks so good. It's probably gonna taste good and it's gonna be fun and it's gonna be awesome. And I'm gonna have a story to tell and it's gonna be so great, but it's just actually a moment and it will not go well for you. There's a way that seems right, but it will lead to death. Because sin will kill every good thing in your life. So we've got to change our thinking. Temptation, it's a trap. And for some of you watching, this might be worth pushing pause for a second with your group and answering this question. What are you most tempted by? What are you most tempted by? Like, what is that for you? Like, what is it that you're so tempted by that you can't even see it's a trap? All you're seeing is some cake. Like, what is it for you? You know, there's the usual suspects. Oh, sex, this, that, and the other. Come on. Temptation runs deep, way more than just the usual suspects. So maybe you stop for a moment and you get real and you get honest. What is it for you? What are you so tempted by that you can't even see that it's a trap? So the nature of temptation, first and foremost, is that it's a trap. We've got to change our thinking. We've got to identify it for what it is. But now I want to talk about how we actually fight temptation. I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 10, excuse me, 12 to 13. I'll be honest, y'all. This cookies and cream taste smells so good. Um, temptation, though, that's what it does. It smells so good but this will not go well for me in this moment. First Corinthians, did I give you enough time to turn there? We're going off the rails here. First Corinthians 10, 12 to 13. We're on video, but we're having fun, people. I hope you're laughing just a little bit. I can never tell if you laugh at, at my jokes, so I don't know. Hope you're laughing. First Corinthians 10, 12 to 13. The apostle Paul writes this. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Pay attention. Like you think you're good. You think, nah, man, I'm good, man. I don't, I'm not, like, I'm not, I'm not even, a, I'm not even attracted to that or her or it, or that isn't fun to me. No, no. If you think you're standing firm, be careful. You're vulnerable. Pay attention. Be careful. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. 
that there is no temptation that is new under the sun. I hope that gives you a little bit of hope, by the way. If you've ever been discouraged, like I'm the only one struggling with this. Why am I the only one that struggles or wrestles with this? You need to know that you're not the only one. You're not the only one that's tempted by whatever you're being tempted by. There's no new temptation under the sun. And then it goes on, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. These last two verses I wanna focus on for just a second. He says that he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. I used to read that verse when I was in um, younger, middle school, high school. And I used to think that can't be true. Like God, I think, I think there was a typo is what I used to think because I used to think I'm falling for temptation all the time. Like God, clearly, clearly you're allowing me to be tempted by something that I cannot say no to because I keep falling to temptation. Like you're doing this wrong, God. I used to think it was on him. I used to think I didn't fully understand this verse because I couldn't resist temptation. I just kept falling into sin. And I thought, hey, this this can't be true. And then as I got older, here's what I quickly learned is that verse is true. And the reason why I kept falling to temptation isn't because God was giving me more than I could bear. It was because I'm more prone to surrender to temptation than to struggle with temptation. Point number two you need to understand tonight is there is a massive difference between surrendering to temptation and struggling with temptation. We use the word struggle all the time, but what we're actually doing is just surrendering to it. That for me, the reason why I felt like God was giving me way more than I could handle was because I was just consistently surrendering to my sin. I was not actively struggling with it. And the reason why there is a difference is because when you are struggling, it is an active fight back and forth. When you are actually struggling with something, you're actually putting up resistance and putting up a fight. But the harsh reality for us is we just tend to surrender to it rather than struggle with it. In fact, for some of us, we have no idea what it really looks like to resist and struggle with temptation. I love what C.S. Lewis wrote. This, this got me. This convicted me so much. C.S. Lewis, uh, Chronicles of Narnia, incredible, brilliant theologian. He wrote this. Only those who try to resist temptation know how strong it is. We think temptation is strong, but we're not even trying to resist it half the time. He says, only those who resist it, who struggle with it, know how strong it is. You ready for this? A man who gives in to temptation, or woman, y'all aren't, y'all aren't off the hook. A man who gives in to temptation after five minutes simply does not know what it would have been like an hour later. Think about that for a second. You really want to struggle with temptation? We give in after a minute and think, man, that was hard. No, no, we have no idea. And then he goes on to say Christ, because he was the only man who never yielded to temptation, is also the only man who knows to the full what temptation means, the only complete realist. The reality is we're not realist because we surrender to it more than we struggle with it. We give in. We just stop. Can I be honest for just a second? I wish you would struggle with your temptation more. We take struggle as a negative. No, no, I wish there would be more of a struggle because if there's gonna be a struggle, guess what you're gonna see sometimes? Victory. There's gonna be some L's for sure, but you're also going to see victory. When you're struggling and going back and forth, you're going to grow. 
When you struggle and you're in the midst of the fight, guess what? You're gonna start seeing a different and renewed perspective. I wish we would struggle more with temptation. The reality is we tend to just surrender to it. So yeah, God's not gonna give you more than you can bear. And he's not gonna give you more than, the, than what Christ has set you free from. That in Christ, we have the ability to say no to anything that comes our way. The question is whether or not we're actually gonna struggle with it or just continue to surrender to it. We need to change our thinking and change our vocabulary. And then the last part of that passage, God will give you a way out. If you can identify the trap, and if we start changing our thinking, thing, I'm actually gonna start struggling with this. I'm actually gonna put up a fight then what's left is you can bypass the trap. You know what's true about traps? You can, you can walk around them. That when you identify the trap, it's no longer deceiving you. You're the one at fault if you walk into it. That you can bypass a trap. And this incredible promise from Paul is that God will give you a way out to bypass the trap. But here's really the question that I wanna ask as it relates to the end of this passage. God's gonna give you a way out. Do you actually want a way out? Do, do you actually want a way out? Because every time you and I engage in some kind of sin that's gonna kill our influence, that's gonna kill our relationships, that's gonna kill our intimacy with God, every time we engage in some kind of sin that's gonna kill something good in our life, guess what? There were countless moments leading up to that sin where we could have stopped. There's countless moments. Every time we make a decision that we regret, there were countless moments when we could have decided not to do the thing that we want to do, to go a different direction. The question is whether or not we actually want a way out. I mean, does this look just too good? Is the short term just worth it? Is the pain just worth it? Is the disappointment and the regret worth it? Do you want a way out? Because there are always moments out. There's always going to be moments out. It's that moment that you could have paused and decided not to text back. That moment was there. It was that moment right before you got out of the Uber. I mean, it, it was a split second because you, know, you, were, you were on, in, on the, 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 um, the window seat where the sidewalk was and everybody was pushing you out and I know that, but, but it, there was a moment when you didn't have to get out of the Uber. That there, was that, there was that moment it was a moment right before you guys sat down on your bed that you could have said it was, it was pretty quick, but in that moment, hey, you know what? Let's, let's, it's, it's, the weather's nice. Let's go get Starbucks instead. There was that moment right there. That there was that moment right before you cheated when you could have thought to yourself, my integrity is more valuable than any perceived success. That moment was right there. There was that moment right there when you could have kept that gossip to yourself. You paused for a second, you thought about it, but then you just let that moment slip away and you just let it out. There are moments leading up to every moment of sin. The question is, do we wanna walk into them? Do we wanna see them? Some of them are macro moments, some of them are micro moments, but they are always real. There are always moments. So do you actually want it? I'm telling you, I think I talked about this in week one. 
And maybe this is a prayer for some of you, but if we started to see sin the way that God saw sin, we would want to take that moment every chance we got. We got to take God at his word, but if we could see the things that died in us and around us when we walked into sin, I'm telling you, we would look for every moment that we had if we saw what in our future was being poisoned and killed by our sin right now, we would look for every moment out. But we can't see into the future. And we can't see what now's decision is gonna lead to tomorrow. But we can trust a God that saved us. And for some of you, come on, all of us, we might not be able to see it for tomorrow, but we've experienced it in the past. You know this. Moments don't stay in the moment. Like the things that we do now always show up later. If we could see sin the way that God sees sin, I'm telling you, we would look for every moment out. And that might be a prayer that some of you need to start praying. So there's a way out, but do you want it? We've got to start fighting temptation. Three things, three practical ways, three practical things we can start doing tomorrow to start fighting temptation, to see the way out and to move in the way out. And the first is this really simple, y'all. Make necessary changes. Write that down. I want you to make necessary changes. There's three things. Make necessary changes. A change in your environment, a change in your circle, and a change in your thinking. Couldn't think of the last one. A change in your environment, a change in your circle and a change in your thinking, a change in your environment. For some of you, I'm telling you, you need to literally in a moment of temptation, you need to change your environment. And quite literally, you need to just leave the room. Sometimes like if you're hanging out with her, you just need to leave the apartment. You need to leave the living room. If you're struggling with him, you just need to get up and you need to go home. Sometimes you just need to change your environment. For some of you, you need to throw your phone into the living room before you go to bed. Plug it in so you don't wake up with 0% and your day's ruined, but you just need to change your environment. You need to eliminate the moment that leads to the moment. Eliminate the moment that leads to the moment. Some of you need to completely change your environment in that moment. Don't be so spiritual as to think that I can just sit here and I can get through it and I can willpower through it, but if I don't, God's grace is there. No, no, sometimes you just gotta run. Sometimes you just gotta go. Got to change your environment. I mean, I've had some conversations with some guys. And, I, and again, I hate, this is such a taboo example, but it's just one that I've genuinely had often. Hey, we, we slipped up and we had sex again. Okay, well, where were you? Ah, was our, our apartment, my apartment. Oh, were you there alone? Yeah. Like, I, I, you know, we started kissing and I just thought we could, we could just hold on, but eventually it just got too far. Leave the apartment! Like, Change your environment. And I, I know it kind of sounds like I'm being funny, but I'm being serious. Sometimes you need to change the environment. Sometimes you need, sometimes you need to change your circle. Number two, you need to change your circle. That if you're the only one paddling upstream, it's gonna be really, really hard to make it there. I know peer pressure is something we joke about in middle school, but it doesn't go away. That some of you need to change the circle that you're rolling with because you want to fight the temptation and everybody is looking at you like you're weird and you don't want to be the odd person out and so you just roll with it. For some of you, you need to change your circle. Change the people you're with week in and week out. Change the people you're going out with on the weekends. You need to change your circle. And then the third, you need to change your thinking. 
Temptation is a trap and it will not go well for you. And you need to start thinking long-term instead of short-term. There are things that you want for your life and for your future that you are ruining right now. I've been there. There's nothing that God can't redeem, but you can make changes right now. Stop thinking, what do I want in the short term that's gonna ruin what I want in the long term? Watch this, write this down. We've gotta stop trading what we want now for what we want most, because it's not worth it. So you need to make necessary changes. I want you to change your environment, change your circle, change your thinking. And the second is this, practice, practice, practice. I want you to practice, practice, practice. That you are not always going to get this right. That you might be fired up right now. Some of you are like, man, I'm gonna fight temptation. I'm never gonna sin again. And then two hours later, okay. Um, It's gonna be a struggle. It should be a struggle like we talked about earlier. You're not gonna get it right. But the goal of this is progress over perfection. And if you and I committed and became resolved to fighting temptation with everything that we had, You know what'll start to happen? You'll start to see small victories. You're gonna win some and you're gonna lose some, but all of a sudden you start being encouraged by some of the victories. And when we start leaning in and become resolved to fighting against temptation with everything that we have, you know what begins to happen? Your desires start to change and your heart starts to change and you start to grow because the Holy Spirit, as you resolve to fight, is gonna start to work in your heart. You know what we never talk about? one of the fruit of the spirit. We love to talk about love and kindness and patience and all those, all those pretty ones. You know what we never talk about? It's the last one on the list, self-control. Self-control, the control of yourself is a fruit of the spirit of God that lives inside of you. So as you are seeking to fight with everything that you are, the Holy Spirit's not gonna leave you hanging. God is faithful. And as you fight in a way that you can't explain, you'll start to grow your self-control because the Spirit of God is gonna work on the inside of you. So let's practice, 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 knowing it's a process. And the last one is simple, man, ask for help. Ask for help. Ask God to help you. Tell God the thing that you struggle with the most and ask him to give you a spirit that is not intimidated, that doesn't draw back, but fights. Invite others into the conversation. We talked a little bit about that last week, but don't struggle alone. Have somebody that can check in on you. Ask for help and don't be ashamed of the process. Ask for help. I'm telling you, if we began to make the necessary changes, And we decided with everything that we were to practice, practice, practice. And then we coupled that with asking for help. You will begin to see victories in areas of your life in a way like you never have before. The reason why we can fight temptation is because it doesn't have a hold on us. The reason why we can fight temptation is because Jesus set us free from the chains of sin and it is no longer your master. So you can say no. And I can say no, but we've got to resolve to do it. Knowing that what God has on the other side of that temptation is way greater than anything that looks that good. We've got to believe that God wants more for us than we want for ourselves. So let's fight in the freedom that Christ won for us. Heavenly Father, 
I pray you would give us a spirit of power, a spirit of courage. I pray that um, all across this city and for whoever it is that's watching, there will be victories experienced over temptation and ultimately over sin. Father, I'm believing for freedom and I'm believing that your spirit is gonna do a work in the hearts of anybody listening to this today. No longer walking around bound by chains or on their way into Alcatraz, but living in the freedom that you won for them, for us. Free from the power of sin and death and experiencing the fullness of life that you won for us and promised to give us. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.